This is the Cliff Yates Show. Personal growth, motivation, inspiration, and philosophies for a great life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Cliff Yates Show. You, as always, are in the right place. I'm so glad you're here. And this week, we're talking about it. How can we learn and retain the most that we can so that we murder, we kill mediocrity? We do not want to be mediocre. And I was listening to one of the pioneers in the self-help, personal growth, personal development field, if you, if you want to say, or in that arena, the space, uh, Mr. Paul J. Meyer, who was probably big, I'm going to say in the 60s. And it's interesting today, I was going, you know, I'll, I'll take someone like Tony Robbins and then I'll say, okay, who was before him? Okay, Jim Rohn. He worked for Jim Rohn. And then who was before him? And then I'll go way back and then I'll find a lot, that a lot of these current, you know, personal growth masters and gurus and teachers and coaches, uh, they got a lot or most of their stuff either from either the Bible or and or people from the 50s and even 60s. And they are just putting out the information through the lens of their life which is what I'm going to be doing. A lot of things that I'm sharing with you is, is not original and new to me. Well, it's new to me that I've used it and these are the results that I've got and now I'm sharing them with you. And so today we're talking about how we can learn and then retain what we learn the most. Okay, and then when we can do that, we cannot be mediocre. There's nothing worse than being mediocre, specifically since all of us, me, you, everybody, God-given talents, that many of us, we just aren't achieving, we're only achieving a portion of what we really have the potential to achieve. And it's kind of sad when you see it in other people, and it's even more sad when we see it in ourselves. So today, let's talk about how we can really up the ante on learning, retaining, killing mediocrity. Paul J. Meyer said, we are flying low to the ground like sparrows when we could be soaring like eagles. That's what we should and could be doing. And that's what you are going to do and I'm going to do with you by sharing these principles. Principles are things that are universal. They're always true. Principles are evergreen. They, they're going to be good today, tomorrow, and forever. So no matter when you come to this information, it's going to be evergreen. It's going to still be current. So let's talk about how we learn and retain, retain stuff, right? We, all, we can go somewhere and see a lecture, and you know what? We hear it all. We hear everything the person said. We see a video. We see a movie. We see it all. We take it all in, and we retain very little of it, very little of it. We see it all. We hear it all, and we retain a very small portion of it, and there's a way around that so that we retain a high percentage of it. And who knows this the most? Kids know how to do this. They may not know it consciously, but they sure know it subconsciously, right? How many times will a kid, a child, watch a movie? Hundreds of times. We won't do that. Seen it. Done that. I already saw it. Okay, you already saw it. But if you saw it again, you probably would pick up more. You might see something new. Once again, it's like reading the Bible, right? We read the Bible. I read the Bible. I've already read that. But you know what? Reading it from where I am today, something clicked with me that I never really took note of before. It didn't really have the same meaning it does right now. And that's why we need to 
read, reread, specifically read again, because we're always in a different place when we're taking this information in, and God will reveal things to us in his own time. Revelation. Things will come to us, even though we read that. I read that 47 times. How come on the 48th time, all of a sudden, this message resonated with me to the point where I really understand what was being said? And so kids know it the best. They will watch a movie over and over and over again. Why? Because they get more each time. They get more out of it. Not only that, they understand that the pleasure they got out of seeing the movie the first time. And they want to recreate that pleasure again. And they do. They enjoy it just as much on the 50th time as they did on the first time. And they probably subconsciously understand they picked up more from the movie on the 50th time than on the first time. Little nuances because the brain said, I've already seen that portion of the story. I don't have to pay attention to that anymore. And now I pick up this little piece over here that I missed the first 49 times. But this time... I didn't miss it. I got it. So that's how we learn, really. And uh, and a lot of these things, we have to, you know, if we can learn from, one of the ways that we can learn more and retain more is we, if we come at something with an open mind. If we come at learning something, taking something new in with an open mind, there's been times in my life, which is why I've gotten into this space to begin with, obviously, because when I was closed-minded, I know this already. I don't need to hear any more of that. And so when you're closed-minded, things aren't going to get in, even though they might be very crucial to our own survival, our own personal growth, maybe our own safety, and maybe to the quality of our own relationships with not only ourselves, but those around us. And so if we come at something with open-mindedness and an eagerness to learn, and we, we get excited about being exposed to something new, we're really going to be set up to retain more. Paul Meyer said that he was an inverted paranoid. And this was his definition of an inverted paranoid. And I'll read what, what he said. I'll, I'll quote from He defined it as a person who thinks the world has conspired to, to do only good for him or her. Can you imagine if he came at everything believing and thinking that the world has conspired to do only great things for me. Imagine how you will come across to other people. Imagine how you will take in new information, new learnings, new teachings, new readings, new things that you're exposed to if you come at it with that attitude. An attitude will make a big difference in how we learn and retain things. Now, Paul went on to say, you know, he always harps on the fact that he would get on, you know, people are going to leave this, they're going to leave my lecture, they're going to leave my training And they're only going to retain 5% of that when they leave here. And after a week, 1%. And two weeks, forget it. They don't remember a thing. And so he quoted from the National Training Laboratory out of Bethel, Maine. And they did a study. And so they found when we are passively learning stuff, and passive learning would be so when when we're reading, when we read something, we actually retain 5% of it, 5% when we're reading. Audio, visual, right? We see it and we hear it. Oh, 10%. Now we retain an average of 10%. These are average retention when we do these passive learning things. 
right? Now, if we read something, we see or hear it, and it is demonstrated for us, someone demonstrates it for us as we've just heard it or seen it, then we retain 30% of it. Now, it, now, if we get into the more cooperative learning, which is a step up from just passive learning, we're just sitting there taking information in, now all of a sudden, if we're hearing something or seeing something or reading something, but now we are seeing it demonstrated and now we are actually kind of discussing it, if we're talking with other people about it, then now all of a sudden we're up to 50% of it. Now, if we do all these other things and we raise it another bar, right? And now we start doing it. We practice doing it. Now we're up to 75%. We're retaining 75% of something that we've read. Maybe we hear it, saw it, but now we saw that it was demonstrated in front of us. And now we've talked about it in a group t- conversation about it. And, and now we actually practice it. We kind of repeat it a couple. Now all of a sudden we're over 75% retention on the information that we've taken in. Now to get at the capstone of learning and retaining things and killing mediocri- mediocrity. If we've done all these things, we've read, right? And we've taken it up a notch. We've repeated it. We've seen it. We've heard it. And now we've discussed it. We've seen it demonstrated. We practiced. We talked about it. And we've done it a couple times. And now we teach somebody else what we've learned or we immediately used everything that we've learned, had demonstrated to us and talked about it, 90% we retain. Isn't that amazing? So we can be the orchestrator of our learning and how much we retain when we learn. And something I've been doing, and Paul J. Meyer said he does the same thing. So he knows when he goes to a lecture or uh, he goes to a church sermon, and I've been doing this now when I go to church, is I either take the notes or I'll go back later to the notes from the sermon that is on the website for the church. And now I'm going to go and research all those points that were talked about. Because when I'm taking all that in, when I'm listening to everything the preacher is saying, everything our pastor is saying, I'm, I'm taking it all in, every word. And I do take every word in. And, but if I, if I just take some notes to spark my memory, or if I just take down a couple of passages that, of the Bible that he has talked about, or if I'm following along in the Bible and I underline that and I know that I'm going to go back later to it. Now, I've heard him say it, and of course, he likes to use the pastor when he gives a sermon. He not only talks about it, preaches about it, but he has a, props. He has props so he can physically show something when he, when he talks about behind the veil, the breaking of the veil. I mean, he has a curtain up there. He puts it... You know, so, and, he, and that's a good way to learn because he knows that he's hitting all the modalities, right? He knows that some people are seeing it. Some people are, they like to just hear it. Some people see here and now it's been demonstrated. So he's practicing a lot of these things as he's teaching it. He's hitting all these points. And so what I'd like to do later after the sermon, when I go back home, then I'll go to the Bible. And now I go back to those same verses that he talked about that he demonstrated and now my wife and I can discuss it. And I retain so much more uh, of what was being taught. And we can do that whatever we do when we read a book. So when you read a book, you can now underline things. You can highlight. When I, when I read now with, with my Kindle scribe, as I'm reading, I'll take things and highlight them. 
and then I can make a note there in that highlight so that I can go back to it later. Now, sometimes I never go back, but the fact that I highlight it, the fact that I put a note in there automatically raises my average retention of that information. And maybe you've experienced this yourself when you go to the grocery store, right? Hey, let's make let's make a list so we don't forget everything so, or forget anything. So you make a list at the, for the grocery store and you make a list of all these items. And sometimes you never even go to the list and you get everything that was on there. Later you look, oh, I got everything, right? The fact that you made the list already raises your retention of that information. And so we need to be doing this intently and on purpose so that when we're learning something, we retain the most that we can so that we are not mediocre. When I see mediocrity in other people, it just saddens me to think you have so much potential, God-given talent to you that you have, that you're only, you're, you're achieving just a, such a small portion. And it's a tragedy in this one life that we have to live. So cooperative learning. And, uh, and so I was going over that today. See, Paul J. Martin, he was talking about, and I even wrote some notes down, right, that people tend to filter everything through their indecisive, negative thinking, closed-minded, judgmental, fear-ridden mindset. And if, you, if, if that's your filter, can you imagine how much you're going to retain when new information comes in, when you're filtering it through your negative thinking, indecisive thinking, and your mediocre mindset? Can you imagine how much you're going to retain? Not very much. You're not going to want to. You're not going to be excited about taking anything new in. And so his mission and my mission is too. I want my mission. My mission is to help coach, mentor other people out of the rut of mediocrity. And Tony Robbins, of course, Tony Robbins. And so it was funny to hear, and this, and this uh, was a teaching by Paul Meyer from the 1960s. And what did he say? He says, if we can look at new information with open-mindedness, with an excitement to learning, we can actually awaken that giant within. Oh, man, when I heard those words, I thought, wow, that was the title of Tony Robbins. I think it was his first, first book, first or second book. He had unlimited power, and then he had awakened the giant within. He probably heard that phrase from Paul J. Meyer, and it clicked with him, and he, and he titled the book after it. Isn't that amazing that you find the root of something, sometimes maybe a book title or just a saying or something that's been quoted over and over again. Awaken the giant within. Paul J. Meyer said this long before, years before Tony Robbins wrote the book, Awaken the Giant Within. But Tony Robbins had read and studied so many personal growth and personal development books that it's inevitable that uh, the teachings that you, that you gather from other people are going to come out through your own filter and through, and through your own creativity. So I was reminded today when I'm studying all this about all these, these different modalities of learning about how, you know, seeing, hearing, then, you know, having it demonstrated to us, talking about it, discussion groups, and then actually uh, doing it and practicing it, teaching other people, teaching, teaching it is how we, and so then it was, I was reminded, I was reminded of the training that I got involved with in the LA Sheriff's Department when I was, when I decided I was going to be, or I wanted to promote to the, to the, um, to the rank of sergeant, and I was told, you have to leave patrol, and you've got to go to an administrative position. And finally, I got the opportunity to go to the, oh, the, the, it was not the diversity, it was not cultural diversity, it was, it was in the personnel, kind of an offshoot of personnel, but it was in, it, it was, uh, we were being tasked with teaching our, 
a sexual, our sexual harassment policy that was under a consent decree by the court. And the court had ordered the department to hire a consulting f- firm to implement the sexual harassment policy. And it was PricewaterhouseCoopers who ended up being the consulting firm who eventually trained the trainer, would have to train us to train ourselves on this policy, which was being overseen by the court. And the method by which we did this was through facilitation. And so facilitation goes directly to what Paul J. Meyer was talking about. And that's how companies are or have been and probably still are learning to incorporate training uh, to their people so that they retain the most. And at the time, of course, I didn't know that this was what they were doing. I didn't know why. I didn't know what the, you know, what the mentality was behind us teaching in this, in this method. So when we facilitated, we, we actually watched some video. We, we talked about the policy. We had, like, you know, the sheriff himself gave a video saying that he is supporting this policy. And then we gave everybody a copy of the policy. And then we taught on the policy. And then we had it flip charted everything that we were teaching. And then we broke out into groups. And then groups discussed amongst them, their group everything that we had talked about. And then the group had their own flip charts. And they wrote down key things. And then they immediately used what they had learned, talked about, demonstrated to them, and now they were immediately teaching the rest of the groups what they got from the teaching. So they not only immediately used what was taught to them, they were teaching everybody else in the classroom. So someone would stand up and go over what what their group had, had determined from that. And then as facilitators, we would make sure they hit all, all, the, all the points in the teachings that went along with the policy and we, we had to make sure that, that that was hit because we were monitored by the court under a consent decree. But that was, you know, good learning. And at the time, I really didn't understand the psychology behind all this until really today. And so, and cause, because I went, I, I, went, I went from there, from teaching that and facilitating that information to the Deputy Leadership Institute, which was a... A, um, a, it was really a course that the sheriff was sponsoring on leadership. And we would teach the leadership principles, different types of leadership, and how to be a better leader in this method of facilitation. Small group, 1520, teach it, right? Interact, discuss, break out in groups, flip chart it, people immediately use it, teach it back to other people, retain the most. And I, I kind of, well, I, don't, I, you know, I thrived in this since before I had decided to uh, go after my promotion. I had really was deciding at one time I decided I was leaving the department. I was going to be a real estate agent. And so I had gone and learned all these principles of developing rapport, leadership, management, and personal growth, personal development, Jim Rohn. Tony Robbins. So I had read all these books, John Maxwell, leadership principle books, uh, Stephen Covey, the seven habits of highly effective people. So I had read all these books for my own personal growth and development because I had sites to going somewhere else. And now I was using those same things in the department. And now the department had 
brought me on to teach these things. And now these books that we were talking about, we were reading as homework. Now I'm reading them for the second, third, fourth time. And so I was really, I mean, I, I had these principles embedded in my heart and soul already. So it was very easy for me to read the books again and get even more from them that I got in the first two or three times that I've already read these books. And now it was nice to be facilitating this information to groups of people who some of them had never been exposed to any of these books or these ideas or these principles. And so it was a lot of fun. And so for me, it was like, wow, I did all this on my own already. And now you're paying me to do it. So now this was great. Now I'm getting paid to read the same books I had already read on my own. The same books that I paid for myself. Now you're providing me. And so there was a couple books that I hadn't bought yet. I hadn't learned yet. I hadn't read yet. And so that was really good. So uh, one thing that I, well, it wasn't wrong, but like last year, I kind of got into, I, I read wild, not wildly, I read widely. So I read a lot of books. Last year I read about, not this past year, but the year before I read 40 books, right? I was like, I was reading two books a month, sometimes three books a month. And I knew I, knew I didn't really retain very much from those books. But that's okay. It's okay because I, as I was reading, as I was listening to a lecture by Paul J. Meyer today, he mentioned that he still reads widely, but he has pared down, and I kind of wrote a note here, that he pared down to a core group of books, which is what I do now also. Number one, the Bible is a lifelong learning. You can never learn it all. It's always changing. It's a living it's a living book that changes constantly. As you read it, it changes. As you read it the next day, it changes, and it changes you. So the Bible now is something that I read from and reread all the time. And going to a sermon by the pastor, I will take notes and then reread what he's talked about and demonstrated. And now I'll discuss it with my wife, and maybe I'll share it with you. So I'll be immediately using it and or teaching it. If you want to learn something, really immerse yourself in something to become so well-versed in something, then you know you not only you want to teach it, because if you teach it, you will learn it, and you will know how to demonstrate it and discuss and talk about it, and you will, you will be retaining much more than 90%, because when you have to teach something, you're going to want to learn everything you can about that subject to which you want to teach so there's a couple of books. Uh, I mentioned the Bible, The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill, a fascinating book. If you ever, uh, God, I've got this edition here. I got the, I'm going to show you the size of it. Look at this, The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. Unbelievable. This is the deluxe edition. These principles are just, and there's a, there's a couple, the Think and Grow Rich is really by Napoleon Hill. It's the same book, but this is like an expanded, we should probably spend a year on this thing. That's another thing I got to give credit to the pastor that, you know, he'll spend a year on like three different, three verses of the Bible and we, we will just learn the history and what's before and after it so that we can keep going over it. We, we are repeating and we are discussing and we're seeing the words and the thoughts demonstrated and so we retain more. But this Law of Success by Napoleon Hill is a fantastic book. One of the ones, uh, how to, uh, Dale Carnegie, how to uh, make friends, influence people. Uh, yeah, the power of positive thinking, 
by Norman Vincent Peale. These are a couple of the books that I read and reread over and over again. But this law of success, you know, Andrew Carnegie, he hired Napoleon Hill. Are you willing, Napoleon Hill, to spend the next 30 years without pay and interview all the success gurus of the time, the 1930s, I believe, was the time, and compile that information into a book, Law of Success, right? Think and Grow Rich. Basically, basically that's Think and Grow Rich, but it's with an expanded chapters and, and principles. You can't, we're going to have to discuss this book, but I, re, I read and reread this constantly, and it applies to everything. It's like the principle of business leadership. There's no such thing as business leadership. There is only leadership. When you become, when you're a leader at home, when you're a leader, you get in shape. Who, who does that benefit? Your friend, your family, right? Everybody around you benefits from you starting to get in shape by working out because it increases your health. You're not sick. No one's going to have to look after you. You're, you're not missing work. You're being more productive at work. And if you're more productive at work, if you're being a leader at work and things are going great at work, your pay is increasing. Who benefits? Family, friends, those around you, those you work with. So that's the gift you give everybody else. Selfishness is the gift that you give everybody else. By working on yourself, you're giving a gift to everybody else. So I think today we have learned a lot of principles, everybody, about learning and retaining and killing, murdering mediocrity because there's nothing that I know you don't, and I don't like being mediocre, and we are not. We are great. We got great things in front of us. You're in the right place, and I think you know of a couple people, maybe more than two, that need to hear this message. Share it with them, and listen, if you got anything out of this, please leave a comment. Whether you're watching this on YouTube, like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, how about Apple, iTunes? We need comments like it, subscribe to the show. You know what it does? It shows other people and we're growing around the world. Isn't that amazing when you do a podcast and you share great information? You can now share a podcast around the world. It's just amazing. So listen, gather great information, share it with other people because when you're sharing, you're coaching and you're teaching and when you're coaching and teaching, you are learning. You are making sure that you know that subject. All right, everybody, that's the Cliff Yates Show. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. And, uh, hey, more to come. So I'll see you, and maybe you'll hear me or see me in the next episode. Watching or listening on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Listening on one of the podcast platforms, subscribe to the show. Share with other people, everybody. That's it.